Good afternoon, TRC. Good afternoon, church family, all of those who are joining us for the word of God today. Uh, we're so excited to have you. And as I always say, if no one has said it to you already, we're glad to have you. All right. We're getting ready to get right on into the word of God. Uh, if you missed Sunday's uh, teaching on breaking generational poverty, I'm telling you, it might be something you might want to go back and look at. Uh, it is an eye opener. It is a challenge, but nevertheless, it is necessary. So go back and take a look at that as well as some of the other teachings, and I'm sure you're going to be blessed. Pass it along to someone else. Tell them, hey, I got a hot word for you. And that will allow them to join in on not only the growth, but the activity and the anointing as well. So without any further ado, let's just get right on into the word this evening. Uh, I want to talk to you about something I think is very kind of, uh, well, it's interesting. It's uh, metaphorically speaking. It is very timely. Uh, you know, if you look at our atmosphere and just the environment around us, it's always something that tries to push in and invade your personal space. How many of you feel like that? I mean, it's like you always have to keep your guard up because there is something. If you're watching TV. There's somebody's trying to sell you something. If you were just watching uh, what, what looks like a wholesome family movie, then here comes the okie doke. Always something trying to push into your personal space. There are such things, different things such as your jobs, cares, lack of, uh, lack, yeah, definitely. Uh, the press to get ahead and to move forward in life, health issues, limited funds, and relationships, just to name a few. These are things that constantly vie for your attention and they press, they push uh, into that personal space. And you feel claustrophobic sometimes. You feel like, my God, can I have a minute? <laughs> Amen. Well, the Bible tells us in Proverbs, the fourth chapter, it tells us to keep our hearts with all diligence for out of it flows the issue or out of it are the issues of life. To keep your heart simply means to protect it. You have a responsibility to guard your heart. How many of you know that? So uh, you have to protect it. You have to guard it and you have to filter all of this information that comes in. So let me ask you this question. You must be able to discern all of the noise that is coming from the outside in, especially since we are the ones that are supposed to live from the inside out. My question to you is, is water getting in your boats? Is water getting in your boats. Now, if you would go with me to Mark, the fourth chapter, and, uh, and I'll begin to read a few scriptures for you. Mark chapter four. And these are scriptures that you've heard before, but I guess when we approach it from the standpoint, there will be a little, a little more uh, emphasis on certain parts, and it will probably bring home a truth to where you are in your life. Hopefully that's what it does. Mark chapter 4. Let's look at verse uh, 35. 
And the Bible says, And the same day, when evening was come, he said unto them, Let us pass over to the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him, even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. Now, listen to this. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. Did you get that? Here Jesus has given them a command, like he do, like he does for you and I. And he, he will say, do this, do that. And as soon as you have gotten the command, it seems like here comes the storm. But now, while they were out in the water, it seems like there was not a big issue until the water began to get inside of the boat. Guys, listen to me. That's very important. Very important to you, you and I, is that we keep the water out of the boat. Again, it seems like there was no uh, struggle. It didn't seem as though that there was a battle until the water began to enter into the boat that they were in. And this is how it is in life. As long as you are out there, you can see things going on all around you. However, it becomes more intensified once you start seeing water get in your boat. Am I right about that? Now, uh, let's just look at this. Here's one of the main reasons why you want to make sure that your boat stays water free. Did you know that ships don't sink? when they pass through the water, only when the water passes through the ship. Did you get that? What does that mean? As long as the water is outside, it is sometimes of no uh, importance to us. And your ship will stay afloat. But once water starts entering into your ship, so we're talking about the problems of life, the challenges of life, the things that you should protect your heart from. Once these things start getting in on the inside, then it becomes a problem. Then it becomes an issue. Are you listening to what I'm saying? So make a note of that. Ships uh, don't sink because they pass through the water only when the water passes through the ship. Now, the Bible says here, and let's go back to verse 38. And it says in Jesus he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. They awake him and they said unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? You know, that's one. That's a normal reaction, is that when we start going through things, we look for Jesus and we think he's asleep. We look for him and we think that he's disinterested. We look for him and we think that he's not aware of what we're battling with, aware of what we're going through. And so we began to accuse him of not caring. How many of you know what I'm saying? How many of you are there right now? Listen to me. Jesus does care. He knows every hair on your head. So he knows what you're going through. Now, when they were out in the water and because it was dark, they were unable to see land on either side. This is the time that you are more apt to become overwhelmed. 
is when you look around you and you can't see land on any side. And when they were out there in the dark, it was hard to determine and get a fix on their location. Sometimes it's like that with you. It's hard to get a fix. Where am I really? Am I in faith? Am I not in faith? Is this coming to destroy me? Is it not coming to destroy me? What is going on? <laughs> so here I'm telling you, you're more apt to get that overwhelmed feeling when you can't see land on either side. And I'm always here to say, when you get to a place like that and you feel that overwhelming feeling, that's the point you need an anchor to your soul. That's the part you need, the time you need some direction. Are you listening to me? Sometimes you feel all alone. You feel like there's no one there that will, the Bible says in Psalms, I believe it's 42, no man careth for my soul. Listen, loneliness is not the absence of friends or company. It's the lack of direction. Are you listening? So you look for a place to stop a place to rest. You know, that's how it was when Noah sent out the dove. He knew that the dove would come back if he found no place to rest, if he found nowhere to land, if he found nowhere that he could light. He knew that he would return. And so when we're out here in this, these insurmountable odds, we get weary because we don't see anywhere to land. We don't see anywhere to rest. We don't see a stopping place. Now, one thing about God, God wants us to remain stable, even in turbulence. See, when the storm begins to brew, God wants you to find that secret place. He wants you to find that, state, that place of stability, that place where you can, you, can, you can anchor yourself. Are you listening? <clears throat> uh and at that time, <clears throat> excuse me, you have to realize it's not the water that's around you that's causing you the problems. It's the water that now you have allowed to get into your boat. It's the unchecked thoughts. It's the unchecked harassment. The Bible says Satan is the accuser of the brethren. He's going to constantly bombard you with negativity. He's going to bombard you with doubt, with, with doubt. He's going to try to turn doubt into unbelief. So it's not the stuff that's going on around you because as long as you can, you can stay restful on the inside, you can deal with the turbulence around you. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Is sometimes the problem begins only with the water that we have allowed to come into our boats. Now, it's your ability to remain quiet in the storm that creates the anchor that you need to even remember the command. Jesus said, let us pass over to the other side. And unless you have found a place of rest to keep yourself stable in the midst of the storm, you will forget all about the, the, the command. You'll forget all about what he's told you. You will forget all about the promises that he's made to you. Are you listening to what I'm saying? So, I'm telling you, it's very important that you are able to find that place of rest. You can find it in the word. The Bible says in Hebrews, the fourth chapter, 
there remained a rest to the people of God. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached unto them did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. You have to mix faith with the word that you've heard. That's where you find, that's the place of rest. Are you listening? You have now entered in <laughs> to the fight to keep the water out of your boat. You have now entered into that fight. And seeing you know when that fight starts because there's an uneasiness. That fight starts, there's uncertainty will start to brew. Are you listening? The Bible says this in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and it starts in verse 3. It says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not cardinal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And then it goes on further and says, and have a readiness to stand strong and firm and revenge all disobedience once your obedience has been fulfilled. So you have to cast down everything that will rise up and challenge the word. Everything that is contrary to the word, everything that begins to speak against the word and what God has promised you, you have to cast it down. Because if you don't, that, my friend, is water entering into your boat. How many understand what I'm saying? Some of you right now are you're bailing right now. You're trying to get the water out. You're trying to keep up with the pace so you don't go under. It's very important that you are able to keep the water out of your boat. Now, see, because, again, I want to emphasize this or re-emphasize, it's not all of the water that's all around you that is the threat. It is the water that has gotten in. And I'll show you why. Go with, go with me to Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7. And here is a very... Uh, interesting scripture. The Bible says in verse 15, there is nothing from without or outside of a man that entering into him can defile him, but the things which come out of him, those are the things that defile him. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. Now, this is what it's saying. Remember I gave you the scripture a few minutes ago about once stuff start entering in, you have to cast it down. You have to bail it out. You have to not allow it to stay in because too much water will cause you to sink. It goes on to say, when he had entered into the house from the people, the disciples asked him concerning this parable. And he said unto them, are you so without understanding also? Do you not perceive whatsoever thing from without entering into a man, that, that can't defile him. He went on to say, because it entered not into his boat. That's your heart. It entered not into his heart, but into the belly and goeth out the drought, purging all meats. This is information, threats, and other things that enter into you that you were able to cast down 
they did not settle in your boat. Are you getting that? You, it's important. You cast it down. He said uh, in verse 21, for from within, out of the heart of a man, proceeded evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, and it goes on, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, um, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and that defiles a man. Once this thing gets inside of your boat and you didn't cast it down, it's going to have an effect on your life. It's going to have an effect on your ability to stay afloat. It's going to have an effect on your ability to win. Are you listening to what I'm saying? So it's so important. Ask someone, is that water in your boat? You must keep all of these things that challenge the word of God out of your heart. Because once they reciprocate and they come back out, they're going to come out in actions. They're going to come out in the same actions that may overthrow you. Listen to what I'm saying here. Defilement comes when you stop guarding your heart. Our actions and our responses ultimately become the fruit of what we have allowed to be planted in us. See, it has to stay in you in order to constitute being planted. You listening? And then we ultimately, we grow it. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Once it's planted in you, then you grow it. You know, the Bible says in Psalms 19 and verse 14, the Bible says, let, uh, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. The words of your mouth will begin to identify the conditions of your heart. Tell someone that. The words of your mouth will identify the conditions of your heart. And it's what you have meditated on. It is that thing that you have allowed to stay in your boat that is causing you to sink. And at any given point before you go under, you can reverse it by getting this stuff out of you. Are you listening? Planting is a result of the meditations. The Bible says much about meditations. Psalms 1 and 1, it says, uh, <clears throat> oh, what is it? It says that uh, that we should meditate therein day and night. Are you listening? We should meditate therein day and night. The Bible says in uh, Joshua 1 and 8, we should meditate therein day and night. Meditation is how things grow in you. It's when you think on them too long. It's when you allow those things to take up root in your heart. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Now, let us go on. Go with me, if you will, to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. You know, your stability will come from your meditation. 
Are you listening to what I'm saying? Your stability will come through your meditations. I was um, alluding a few minutes ago to the scripture. And um, it said, and this is Psalms 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. See, here it is, stuff that's trying to get in you. They're walking out in the council of the ungodly, nor standing in the way of sinners, or sitting in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doeth he meditate day and night. This is your stability. When you do that, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, but whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Are you listening? So your stability comes through meditation. What are you thinking on? What are you thinking on? Can the enemy just get control of your mind? Let's move right on. Matthew chapter 14. And let's begin reading um, 25. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking in on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. Now, what I see here, their uncertainties made them begin to imagine. And many times when we are uncertain about something, we imagine the worst. We begin to think on the worst. We begin to uh, fight against ourselves and open the door to fear. So now you got to you got to watch this. Fear is already working and present in their lives. And then the Bible says, "But immediately or straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer; it is I. Be not afraid." And Peter. Answer him, said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee on the water. Now, what was Jesus supposed to say? It's not me. <laughs> Peter put him in a position where he received the challenge, and he said unto Peter, come. Remember, that in itself is the command. Come. Somewhere along the way, the storm took that command away from Peter, like it does us sometimes. He said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. We always talk about <clears throat> the negative part. It is a great feat to walk on the water going to Jesus or going back to the boat. Are you listening? Sometimes we have these situations between the boat and Jesus. <laughs> so he said, come. And Peter came out and started walking. Verse 29, and he said, come. And Peter came down. And like I said, he began to walk and go toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. Remember, fear was already working. And he began to sink. He cried saying, Lord, save me. When he saw the wind boisterous, 
when he began to see the effects of the water, when the vision of the water got in him. See, before his eyes was on Jesus, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and now has sat down at the right hand of the Father. When Peter had his eyes fixated on Jesus, he was able to stay above his circumstances. However, when the water began to infiltrate his vision, when the water began to get inside, when the things you deal with, when you look at your bank book, when you look at your job or lack of it, when you look at your unemployment or lack of it, when you begin to look at your children sometimes and they may not be doing what you wanted them to do, when you begin to look at all these things, that's water trying to get in your boat and you have to identify it as such. Otherwise, you will find yourself sinking. Amen. Let's look at this. He saw the wind boisterous. Now, he began to imagine defeat. This is the place where the storm becomes larger than the promise. And that's when he began to see himself as drowned, see himself as overcome by the water, see himself as overwhelmed like many of us are sometimes because we are fixated now on the storm and no longer looking at Jesus. Now, one thing I noticed here, and I, let me go ahead and read this. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand, caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore did thou doubt? In other words, Jesus caught him before that doubt turned into unbelief. Because while he doubted, he still had hopes of being helped, of being saved, of being rescued. When it turns to unbelief, you will begin to deny your help. You will begin to deny the word. You will begin to deny all the things that can benefit you because unbelief is a vicious cycle. And unbelief is totally different than doubt. The Bible calls it an evil heart of unbelief. So it goes on to say, Jesus said, O thou of little faith. In other words, this is what the storm will do. It will begin to strip you of your faith. You may go into it with great faith, but the design of the storm is to minimize your faith and cause you to doubt, which ultimately will turn into unbelief. Hope you're getting something out of this. Hope this is blessing you. Um, and verse 32. And when they had come into the ship, the wind ceased. Now, there was something amazing about this. There was not much mention about the wind while he was in the ship. They said they that there their fear came from an apparition looking at Jesus thinking he was a spirit. There was not much mentioned. These guys were sailors. They were fishermen. They were used to seeing turbulence in the sea. 
And it did not seem to be an issue until Peter got out of the boat and allowed the vision of the water to get into him. Did you see that? And the Bible says when he got back to the boat, then the effects of the wind were once again minimized. See, it's very important that you surround yourself in a boat with people who can encourage you, people that can help keep you float, afloat, that can help build the water to keep you from going down until you can recover yourself. <laughs> Are you listening to what I'm saying? Sometimes we try to do it alone and always is not, it's not the best choice. But now, we know about the boat people. They're going to tell you you can't walk on water, too. That's why it's very important who you're in the boat with. Look around and ask someone, are we in the same boat? <laughs> Amen. Amen. So the storm seemed, based off of this, to have lost its power when he was in the ship before he walked and after he walked. The storm is only going to be a threat to you when you are susceptible to a great amount of water. When you have put down your guard and you have stopped protecting your heart, that's when you're going to find out that the storm will be more effective against you than it was before. Ask someone, is there water in your boat? What are you stressed about right now? What is the thing that's really, really coming against you right now? You have to see it, that there is water getting in your boat. And when you have not exhausted all of your faith and you cry out to Jesus, he will stretch forth his hand and save you in your dilemma. Are you listening to what I'm saying? So one thing I begin to see, let's look at this last scripture here. Verse 33. Then they that were in the ship came and worshiped him, saying, of a truth, thou art the son of God. They came to him and worshiped him and said, of a truth. Thou art a son of God. Did you understand what God is trying to do with you? It's the same thing he did with them. He's trying to take you from worrying to worship. That's when you recognize who the son of God is. They went from worrying to worship. And so can you, when you make a decision, to keep the water out of your boat. Anytime you feel yourself getting heavy, the Bible says through manifold temptations, you might want to go into worship. You might want to see him for who he is so he can save you. Don't allow unbelief to come in because at that point you will reject his help. Are you listening? So I want this to encourage you I want this to reach out to you and to uh, cause you not to 
Allow yourself to be drowned in the problems of life, to be drowned in the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things that will choke the word and you will forget all about the command. What has God said to you? What has he told you? What has he promised you? What has you given up on? What have you given up on? Go back, rethink it, redetermine it, revisit it, because God is not through with you yet. Praise God. I hope this word was a blessing to you. And if it has been a blessing, continue to partner with us, continue to keep us lifted up in prayer, continue to allow the word of God to enrich you. Amen. As we go on this journey together, and whatever you do, whenever you do it, and however you do it, you make sure that you do it without water being in your boat. That's the only way you're going to be able to keep it real.